The University of Miami Law School Entertainment Arts and Sports Law Program presents the Leadership Game Plan. I'm Executive Producer and Program Director Greg Levy, and now over to our host, longtime NFL coordinator, head coach, three-time Grey Cup champion, NCAA champion with the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Law graduate, and now adjunct faculty member, Coach Mark Tressman. I believe that everyone can lead, no matter who you are or what you do. I believe just like quarterbacks, leaders are not born, they are developed. With so many platforms to speak our minds, there are countless ways to lead and impact the lives of others. So how we lead in this accelerating and interconnected world will determine our present and our future. That's why leadership today matters more than ever. Welcome to the Leadership Game Plan, where we go beyond the X's and O's through the unique lens of our accomplished guests. I'm your host, Mark Tressman, and let's get started. You know, in high school, uh, I was my parents were, and I were very fortunate to, to to send me to Jesuit High School. I went to Straight Jesuit College Prep in, in Houston. Uh, there was a model among the Jesuits, and it still exists today. And that model is men for others, and that pretty much shaped the tone of my attitude throughout my career and even up to this day you know, always focused on doing what is for the greater good. I first crossed paths with Rod Graves in 1998. I was the offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals where he was assistant to the president. Rod's life as a leader in professional football is impressive and spans almost every executive role in the game. Rod's start in the NFL came with the Chicago Bears in 1984 as a regional scout a position he held until he was promoted to Director of College Scouting in 1993 and then Director of Player Personnel in 1994. In 1997, Rod joined the Arizona Cardinals as assistant to the president. He was promoted to the position of Vice President of Football Operations in 2003. And then in 2007, after 10 years with the team, Rod became the club's general manager. As the general manager, he led all facets of the Cardinals' football operations. He negotiated contracts, oversaw college and professional scouting, and assisted in salary cap management. Rod was the architect of a Cardinal team that made a Super Bowl appearance in 2008. Following his time in Arizona, Rod joined the New York Jets as Senior Director of Football Administration in 2013, where he spent the next two years of his career. His football journey continued in 2015 when he transitioned to the NFL's league office, serving as senior vice president of football administration for four years. Rod's extensive club experience made him the perfect fit for this role, where he was able to affect league-wide change along the way. And then in 2019, Rod became the executive director of the Fritz Pollard Alliance, an organization committed to promoting equal opportunity in the NFL through education and resources. Rod is a champion for positive change, and his leadership each day is evident as he strives to achieve this organization's important purpose. 
Rod Graves' incredible career reflects his lifelong values taught by his parents, that of hard work, service to others, and a career path with love for the NFL, and a mission for a more diverse and inclusive league at every level. Please welcome my friend, Rod Graves, to the podcast. Rod, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of what I know is a really very busy schedule as the executive director of the Fritz Powered Alliance. For you to be with us today is just awesome. Uh, we're grateful to have you here and welcome. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure to be with you and your guest. And so I've been looking forward to this moment. Yeah, we've uh, we've had spent some time together and you've helped with our our uh, our time at the law school as well. And uh, we've uh, reconnected along the way. And we'll talk about that as we move forward. I want to start today with how we normally start our podcast with our guests. And that is uh, to define how you see leadership. And what we found is everybody sees it a little bit different. So what is leadership to you? How do you define it? You know, Mark, it's an interesting question and one that, you know, I could probably go on for a number of minutes on, but I'll try to be succinct. I think in order to provide good leadership, one has to be able to identify and harness the information that he needs to make a decision, him or her. Uh, number two, they've got to be able to articulate a plan based on that information. And then three, they've got to be able to do it in a timely fashion. And then whatever course they outline has to advance the interest of the organization. And to me, that that capsulizes leadership. And that certainly tends to lead us toward communication, which, you know, I've always thought as a football coach is one of the top two or three reasons why you you win or lose a game. You didn't get the personnel grouping. You didn't get the call. Uh, you missed the audible. Um, and certainly as it relates to leadership and from your point of view, um, certainly critical, clear communication seems to be, you know, at the top of almost everybody's list. Um, I wanted to kind of segue just for a minute uh, into how you've seen leadership. You've been in the NFL, you know, most of your life, almost 40 years of your life has been spent in the National Football League or even longer around it, uh, you know, with your father's career. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But have you seen leadership change over the years, uh, you know, at the coaching level, at the league level? How, how where, what's, what, what's it like? Uh, now and and what was it like when you got in? If you could make some comparisons, you know, Mark, I it has changed. Uh, it has changed to a degree, uh, and I I believe that there's more of an emphasis now on the individual as opposed to let's just say the good of the game or the good of the league. You know, when when you and I came in uh, during uh, earlier years, uh, most of our leaders talked about the game in those terms. What's good for our team? What's good for the leadership uh, or the league? And and what's good for the game? I think now we're, we're more focused on individuals. Uh, we, we see that a lot uh, coming out, uh, particularly when you're dealing with young players today. Uh, and I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it has to be harnessed and 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 focused in the right way. And so it's more of a challenge today than it was, I think, 
probably 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and for those reasons, I, I, I think the game has changed to that extent. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool observation, Rod. We talk about that all the time in our leadership course, how leadership has really been decentralized to the individual. And that's because of technology, you know, the interconnection that everybody has around the world and the power of the player and the individual and how it's so important that as leaders, we teach those who we lead to find the leader within themselves and to learn how to lead in whatever role they have. And we, we've seen it, you know, this past year in the NFL, I've talked about it all the time. Carl Nassib came out and uh, he didn't talk to John Gruden about whether he could do it. And uh, Cole Beasley came out about the vaccination status. And I'm sure he didn't ask Sean McDermott that he could do it. So um, it's important that the how behind, you know, how the, the players do things and how individuals do things because of the interconnection that they have with each other and uh, the importance of doing uh, what's best for the league. So that's really a cool observation. Well, you know, it's, it's one that has concerned me over the years. And again, it, it's more of a challenge today uh, mm -hmm. to lead in, in an environment like that, uh, as opposed to, you know, men and women coming in more receptive to playing particular roles. Uh, there are so many people now that want to corner office with a view rather than putting in the time to work for them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think all of that evolves into leadership as uh, many of us have known it for many years, uh, where, you know, experience and all of that contributed toward your growth in leadership. And so now, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you see uh, it, leadership nowadays manifesting itself in very youthful looks. And so uh, not that that's not to be respected in any way, uh, but I, I think there's something to be said for experience and for people who uh, understand the lay of the land and understand where the where the minds are hidden. And so uh, that, in my in, in my view, has changed over the years. Yeah, I, I really believe that's true, Rod. Um, before we take a deep dive into your leadership journey, um, I want the audience to know a little bit more about the, the Fritz Pollard. Who is or who was Fritz Pollard? What is the Fritz Pollard Alliance? And, uh, and what's your goal as the executive director of the Alliance? Well, let me start with the goal of, of the Fritz Pollard Alliance and who we are. We are focused on opportunities for men and women of color and other uh, minorities within the National Football League. Uh, we are obsessed with making sure that processes are fair, open, and competitive uh, when it comes to, to job opportunities. Uh, we focus on preparation of men and, uh, and women uh, so that they are better prepared for these opportunities when they arise. Uh, that is essentially uh, our mission. And uh, we, we've been focused in that area. We, we've been around for probably about 17, 18 years now. We got started around 2000, oh, uh, I want to say 2003 or so, 2004, uh, on the efforts of uh, Cyrus Mary. Uh, civil rights attorney uh, who uh, led our organization as a chairman for so many years up until this past year when he 
retired as the chairman. Uh, and he partnered with Johnny Cochran Jr. Many of you will remember him as a former civil rights attorney who is now deceased. Uh, but uh, they uh, challenged the league on its hiring practices back around 2003. Uh, and what came out of that was the Fritz Pollard Alliance uh, Foundation. And uh, the organization was named after Fritz Pollard. Uh, Fritz Pollard, uh, back in the early uh, 2020s, excuse me, uh, 1920s, was a player uh, and eventually became a coach after leaving Brown University and became the first black uh, uh, head coach in the National Football League. Many people don't know that. Some people recognize Art Shell as the first black head coach in the National Football League, but in fact, it was Fritz Pollard. And uh, he led that organization. He played for the organization, the Akron uh, uh, Pros, I believe is, is the name of that organization. Uh, but Fritz was uh, just a remarkable human being. I urge uh, your uh, listeners to go to our, our website, fritzpollard.org, and read a little bit about the history of the organization and Fritz Pollard. Uh, but he did some remarkable things, and we're proud to, to honor his name uh, as the uh, flagship of our organization. And uh, we just hope to continue the excellence that Fritz Pollard uh, established as his legacy. Thank you. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Rod Graves and a little bit about his upbringing. In our first leadership class at the UM School of Law, we ask each student to kind of look back um, at what we call their narrative, their their leadership story, and and by that I mean those people like parents and teachers, coaches, and events you know that have influenced you as you've grown in leadership. Because the idea in our class is before you can lead, you've got to be able to lead yourself. So let's start there, Rod, and, and talk a little bit about your upbringing. What was your childhood like? Um, who were your influences uh, while you were growing up? Mark, I'd be remiss if I didn't start this conversation out by pointing out uh, just my two wonderful parents. Uh, my father is deceased now, uh, but my dad was iconic. Uh, in my eyes, uh, he was in our business uh, in uh, in foot in professional football. I got involved on his coattails, uh, but even before then, uh, my dad was such a great father. He was a great husband. Uh, was a great leader in our community. He did so much for friends and people around him, for members of his own family. I learned a lot about. Uh, you know, just having empathy for others, uh, uh, working for others, um, you know, and my mom was very much the same way. Both were grounded in the church, uh, as we say, uh, very faithful. Uh, and so, uh, again, both uh, my mother was in the education system back in Houston. She worked for Houston Independent School District. And I just learned a great deal about uh, about life about commitment uh, and uh, just hard work, uh, working for excellence, all of those things uh, and, and duty to others. Uh, they set the foundation uh, for much of my success and not just because my father was, was involved in the game, uh, 
but I, I think they set the stage for me in terms of dealing with adversity, uh, you know, and, and challenges, uh, dealing with people, um, the, the importance of integrity and honesty and, and, and respect. Uh, and so, uh, again, I, I owe so much to them. Uh, you know, in, in high school, uh, I was, my parents were, and I were very fortunate to, to, to send me to Jesuit High School. I went to Straight Jesuit College Prep in, in Houston. Uh, there was a motto among the Jesuits, and it still exists today, and that motto is men for others. And that pretty much shaped the tone of my attitude throughout my career and even up to this day, you know, always focused on doing what is for the greater good. And so uh, I'm so appreciative for opportunities like that. There are numerous individuals along the way that have influenced me and both positively and in some cases have pointed out to me demonstratively uh, ways not to do things. And so, you know, the, it's been a learning uh, a cycle and, and educational experience all along the way, Mark, and I've been very, very grateful for it. If you wouldn't mind, Rod, um, talk a little bit about adversity. It's, you know, it's the one scenario that in life we all I talk about it all the time. There's there's going to be the inevitability of adversity some somehow some way along the way, and obviously you've you've created a you know a real platform for core values that you just expressed. But just give us an example of uh, your thoughts on adversity and how you've handled it uh, throughout your career. Because like all of us in football, you know we've had these perceptual successes, but we've also had you know, what appears to be failures or adversity, whether it's losing a game, um, having a losing season, losing our jobs. How have you handled it along the way? Well, you know, the unique thing about professional football is that, uh, well, it's not so unique, I should say, but it is nonetheless a team sport. And you have to understand that even in spite of your efforts, uh, we're largely dependent on everyone and and uh, the contribution and devotion that they give toward that same effort. Uh, and so sometimes you come up on the short end of the stick. Uh, but uh, outside of that, I would just say, you know, in professional football or, or any sports uh, league, uh, you know, we're going to have ups and downs. Uh, not many of us go through the pinnacle of a career uh, reach the pinnacle of a career with the same club, you know, that, you know, I don't care how high you've, you've reached that, a, a point, uh, at some point it's going to be a downturn. And sometimes you get caught up in that. And so, yes, you know, I've, I've been fired a few times, uh, but, you know, the thing I've learned from uh, my experience uh, uh, growing up at, at home was that, you know, you, you, Get yourself up. You you wipe the blood from your mouth, and you get ready for the next opportunity. And so, uh, it, you know, it's it's pretty much been my attitude all along the way. Unfortunately, I've I've gone through a divorce, uh, but you know, even with all of those uh, uh, challenges, Mark, I've come out on the other side in what I believe has been a much better position. 
Uh, it's not to say that the situations I left behind weren't fortunate uh, in terms of my experience, but I, I, I always seem to learn something out of those and go on to, to improve upon that. And, uh, and so that's the way I've treated adversity, whether it's in my personal life or, or my professional life, is it's, uh, you know, you, you just dust yourself off and you get ready for the next opportunity. Exactly. And the beauty of uh, football, I say it all the time, it, it is a zero-sum game. You know, somebody wins and somebody loses on every play of every game. And each and every week throughout the season, the same thing happens. So, you know, we have to embrace that. We have to look at it as an opportunity, something to grow from, somebody, something to get better. And, and in a lot of cases, if not most, you wind up, you know, finding yourself in a better place and a, and a stronger person. For it. Well, you know, Mark, that the that attitude is reinforced on a on a really a, a annual basis in our game. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we, jobs are lost every year. I admire coaches, particularly like you. I know you personally, uh, as you said at the opening of the show, uh, how you worked at it, the amount of dedication and commitment you gave every day to improving. The, the the careers of, of not only the, the players around you, but the coaching staff and all of those. And, and that attitude every day, uh, regardless of what happens last Sunday or the Sunday before that, to come in every day with that, that attitude to me is inspiring. And I learned so much from people like you and others that I've had the privilege of working with. And uh, to me, Working in the National Football League is truly that. It's a privilege. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, you said it, uh, football is a microcosm of, of community. I mean, everybody is interconnected in a football organization, directly or indirectly. They affect whether you win or lose on the scoreboard each and every week. And you, you have to do your job. You have to focus on what you're doing. You have to be helpful to others when you can. But it's just not, the game is not about you. Uh, Life is not just about you. It's it's it really is, as you said, it's about those you serve and those you help, you know, along the way um, with that in mind. And, you know, the beautiful values that you were taught by your parents and in your educational upbringing, um, has it inspired you to to find a purpose that you could take to work each and every day? Do you have something that, you know, your go to that's, you know, your heart is is for each and every day your purpose, so to speak, or as we've you know heard so many times with modern lingo, you know why you really exist. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Marshall said his, you know, football was his platform; it wasn't his purpose. And you know, football coaching, being a general manager, the the, the jobs and roles you've held along the way, and now with the with the uh, Fritz Powered Alliance, do you have a purpose when you drive into work every day of some things that? you know, your heart desires to get accomplished? You know, Mark, I'm going to simplify it and, and say, you know, because of the emphasis on faith and in, in my upbringing and, and in my home, you know, our, our purpose and, and one that, that I uh, adopted was, you know, just doing the will of God. You know, every day you just want to serve God's purpose. Uh, and, you know, so I, you know, as I'm driving to work or, you know, wherever I might be I'm about to face a challenging situation, I just want the will of God to come through through my action. I ask God to use me uh, to to 
you know, help me with my words, uh, to help me with my actions. Uh, and, and, you know, that puts me in a mindset that now it's off of me and I'm trusting God to really deliver uh, the, the, the outcome that, that he expects of me. And so, you know, outside of that, I would say one of the biggest influences in my life is really one of the advices that my father gave me, Mark. And it, it was really to to not so much focus on what I wanted out of a situation, uh, but just to give my very best, you know, to, to, to just go in every day, assess the situation, give it your all, give it your best, and then let God take care of the rest of it. And I, you know, it it almost seems corny to, to some to have that kind of attitude. But people, people asked me early on, you know, did I aspire to be a general manager? Did I aspire to be vice president of football operations or senior VP at the league? I never entered the door at any one of those situations aspiring for those positions. I just let my hard work. Uh, my commitment to to the organization and trying to advance the organization, uh, all of that, and really serving the buff, the person above me. I always wanted to put that person in a better position, and it always seems like that that attitude worked uh, uh, to my advantage. Uh, and you know, whenever there was a change, I was always viewed in a favorable light. Um, you know, for an opportunity. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I, uh, you know, I went through a lot of a lot of my life before I really found some transformation and, and found my way. I drifted in the wind, and it was always about me. It was always about you know how many points, red zone scores, uh, statistics, title, monetary compensation, and uh, and then then I look back and there was there was no happiness in it. And uh, just to add on to what you said is. You know, when you can, what I found is, is that when you can selflessly serve others passionately and relentlessly and think about others first and never asking or expecting anything in return, it's amazing how fulfilled your heart becomes. And uh, I just wanted to add on to what you said, because everybody has a different belief system. But at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about serving and helping others. That's right. Leading, leading others by, by wanting the best for them. And, uh, the universe has a way of fulfilling you when that happens, like like nothing, nothing else can. That's just my I, opinion. I agree. Um, I agree with that, Mark. Um, so let's let's move on a little bit to your your career. You know, you spent uh, a little bit of time in the old USFL with the Philadelphia Stars as a scout, and then quickly moved to the Bears. You know, and you spent quite a bit of time there in in positions from being a scout. Uh, to director, both of scouting and pro personnel, you know, talk about your years in, uh, in Chicago a little bit. Um, you know, your, your mentors, uh, the people that led you and how they led and, and what do they teach you? Well, imagine this, Mark, I, I joined the bears in 1984, uh, at about the height of their popularity as a football team, you know, two years later, we win the Super Bowl uh, in in 1986, uh, and I'm you know just uh, very fresh. Uh, I had worked a couple years, about two and a half years in the USFL, 
you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my experience there, uh, which I think also contributed to my growth. Um, in the USFL, uh, you know, we were hired, I was hired by Carl Peterson, who was uh, eventually became president of, of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but Carl was extraordinary in so many ways. He brought a collection of people together uh, and we had outstanding players, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, Sam Mills. Um, oh, let me just, uh, I mean, so many other guys. I'm at a, a, at a loss now, but uh, we had a, a great personnel group. Our, our head coach was outstanding, uh, Jim Mora. Uh, Vince Tobin was a defensive coordinator. We had a lot of other outstanding coaches. But one of the things that I learned when when going through that experience is, uh, you know, we uh, we came into that situation, Mark. I, I joined them as a scout. But at any point in time, you might see me making airport runs to pick up players. You might see me helping out with the laundry uh, in the uh, uh uh, in the equipment room, or you might even see me out helping to line the fields as they're painting the, the lines on, on the field. I mean, it was whatever you could do in that situation to contribute. And, and that had a big influence on me, uh, sort of, you know, growing up as I matured into leadership roles. Uh, the, the other thing is, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and you'll enjoy this story because it, it really sort of outlines or depicts where we were at the time. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, our personnel director was a guy by the name of Bill Q. Herrick. I don't know if you remember Bill, but Bill became a, a high-ranking executive in the NFL. He worked for the Saints. He also uh, worked with Kansas City. Uh, but Bill Q. Herrick, uh, a guy by the name of B uh, Bill Peter, uh, uh, Bill Peter Kusky, uh, we all shared a um, a hotel room when we came in for scouting meetings. And uh, what we did was we had one bed, one sofa and the floor. And so we rotated um, between each one. So it, at least every third night, you could be assured of a comfortable bed to sleep in. And so, you know, it was it was really those experiences that helped me along the way as I, as I matured. But, you know, going back to your question, Mark, um, I learned a great deal through my experience there with the stars and with, with uh, the Chicago bears. Uh, you know, the bears were heavily influenced at that time uh, through the leadership of Jim Finks. I don't know if you recall, Jim Finks, uh, uh, he had been in Minnesota, he'd been with the Bears, highly respected uh, leader. Uh, he was not alive when I was there, but I felt the gravity of a lot of his leadership decisions. Uh, he was still talked about almost on a daily basis uh, during that time. But Bill Tobin, Jim Palmer, uh, obviously Mike Ditka, uh, so many other people, you know, I was fresh uh, and new, still wet behind the ears. But I, 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 I took the position that my dad would always encourage me to take. And that is find you a comfortable seat, son, sit, uh, sit somewhere where you can hear everything and listen and learn. And that's what I did. And so, 
you know, I, I, I just appreciated that experience. I learned a great deal. I learned a great deal about putting together a football team, what good football players look like, uh, what leadership on the field looks like, why it's all important, why it's all relevant, uh, and, and who are the most important uh, components or what are the most important components of a team. But I also had some other valuable experiences that I learned along the way, Mark. And, and one was a, a painful lesson about loyalty. Uh, you know, you, you can appreciate it or will appreciate the fact that many of us go through this game with relationships, you know, people that we've come in with, uh, people we admire, we, we, we've uh, gone through ups and downs with. Uh, but what I've learned is sometimes once you get into leadership roles, you have to make painful decisions about those people who you've been loyal to, because some of those people will either start to cut corners or they don't measure up to that next level of uh, success that you need to be able to attain. And you've got to make a decision about whether or not you stick with them or whether or not you, you, you move forward uh, without them. Uh, and and I, I, uh, during my time in Chicago, I think my loyalty uh, cost me to a great extent. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to get a second chance in Arizona. Uh, and uh, my leadership style at that point was very different than it was when I was back in Chicago. And you want to hit on that for a minute, the changes uh, uh, in you from, from one step to the next? Because that's where we're going to lead. We're going, we're going to Arizona here. You want to talk a little bit about it? Well, sure. I mean, you know, again, um, I think you've got to be able to assess what your priorities are as a leader and, you know, uh, who you should be devoting uh, your, your uh, focus on with respect to uh, the requirements, uh, expectations and all of that. It's no question it always should go to the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's why we're hired. That's the duty we have as leaders. It's not to the friend who's been with me for 10 years. I owe it to him. I owe mm -hmm. it to his family, that sort of thing. I see. Uh, Mark, you've been in those situations. Sure. Uh, you've been in and, and it's tough. And so um, I, I think when when you get that opportunity like you and I have had to go into an organization maybe as a second chance. And you learn uh, from those previous experiences and, and you have to say to yourself, you know, what are the standards that I'm going to set and make those standards clear to everyone. And when people start to cut corners or when, when things don't go quite right in terms of expectations or experience, then you've got to make decisions and those decisions have to be known, be, be known to everyone. Yeah. That you know you will apply them uh, equally among all, uh, and uh, and that was the kind of leadership that I, I uh, exerted when I was uh, uh, in Arizona. I tried to be clear. I tried to set expectations. Uh, you know, we were very methodical. Uh, we um, uh, we we focused on on those areas that needed to be done. We tried to eliminate waste. 
We tried to be as efficient as we possibly could in our processes and financially. Uh, we, 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 were, uh, we, we tried our best to reshape that organization into making decisions that made sense. And, uh, and, and I think certainly our ownership appreciated it. Yeah, you know, just summarizing, you know, your the learning process out of Chicago, I think that uh, what what growing leaders, you know, always need to understand is is that, and you said it, you can be very tough on standards, but you can still do it with a kind heart. Right. Those right. those two are not mutually exclusive. That's right. You can, as a leader, you you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the organization. And you have to hold them accountable to the standards that you've communicated uh, within your organization. But at the same time, you don't have to do it in an environment of fear or coercion. It can get oh, done absolutely. in the, in the right way. And I, I think that's you know something that you're talking about because uh, anybody who's listening knows where your heart is, knows you have a kind heart, know you have a servant leader's heart. But at the same time, you know, you have you have to have people who meet the sta- the high standards of excellence that you have to have at at any level, and certainly at at the at the at the NFL level. Um, before we jump, I, w- I want to ask you one more question about Chicago because because you talked about it earlier. Can you, without naming names, because um, names aren't important, but what did you learn not to do as a leader? Is there anything you could talk about? Besides, you know what you addressed here with with loyalty um, that that you learned uh, that you didn't want to be about uh, when you were in Chicago. Yeah, you know the, the the lesson, the biggest lessons I learned, I think, in terms of of leadership in Chicago was really the lesson about loyalty. I think when I got to Arizona, uh, you will remember I came in as assistant to the president. And so I worked as Bill Bidwell's um, uh, personal assistant, and it was a great learning opportunity for me. But, uh, but while I was there, the GM at the time had a unique style. He was, you know, he was, he was a little bit sort of rough and, and um, um, you know, impatient at times. Um, and he went to, he, he, he started a lot of his arguments with based on the fact that everyone else in the league is doing it. You know, whenever he would go to the ownership and make a request for something, he would start out with the fact that, you know, everyone else is doing it. Why should, why can't we do it? And, and what I took from that is, um, when you're dealing with owners, you have to talk with them in terms that they understand. And they understand the, 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 the financial aspects of it uh, when it adds up. In other words, you have to prove your case with a business argument. And so when I would go in and talk with the Bidwells about things that I wanted to do, I took it upon myself to make sure I had a business argument, not just a football argument, but a business argument for doing it this way. And most of the time I was successful with my arguments by taking that approach. So again, had I not experienced that uh, relationship early on when I first got, got there, 
I might not have taken that same approach. It, you know, it's it was just a live and learn experience. And by listening and witnessing and so forth, I, I learned again what what can be effective and 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 uh, and what should I tailor to meet this situation be the most effective in. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to do that. You know, this is a time that we crossed paths, as you remember. Um, you were already with the organization and I was there in, in 98 and had, uh, you know, really the pleasure. And had, we had a blast uh, coaching Jake Plummer. Vince Tobin was the head coach and I thought really did a good job of leading the team through the season on, a, on, on multiple levels. And we had really good success. We went to the playoffs. We, I don't think the team had won a playoff game in 51 years. You remember we went to Dallas. And then, uh, and and uh, you know, again, we had a more success than than they've had they had had in a long time. And then in '99, it fell apart for a number of different reasons. I have my thoughts on it. I wanted you to share your thoughts on it, and maybe we can we can learn something from that. Well, you know, I, I look back at that situation, and I, I I don't know if we were as prepared as an organization from top to bottom for long-term success. You know, I, I, we, when we were met with the challenges of free agency and so forth, I don't know that we had the type of plan that was uh, sustainable uh, in, in terms of long-term uh, commitment and long-term growth. Uh, and, you know, the, the Bears on, I mean, excuse me, the Cardinals on a much better track now, obviously, uh, but, I just think we were growing as an organization uh, back during that time, and we weren't prepared for that next step. You know, we had gone to the to the playoffs, as you mentioned. Uh, I thought we had a very good coaching staff. We had a few players that, uh, you know, we, we felt like we could win with, but we let those guys get away from us. And I, I, I think that uh, nowadays, and it, it, when you look at it in hindsight, that you know, you have to prepare for success uh, almost on a, a, a daily basis. You know, I mean, and when I say that, it's not just the commitment to 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 players, but it's your commitment to coaches, it's your commitment to the to 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 uh, executives that have helped you get there. You're not going to be able to keep everyone, but I do believe that there should be a commitment to your core players and your core leaders, core coaches, and things like that. That continuity, that continuity, Mark, is so important in sustaining an, an organization. And I, I think that's where we, we, uh, we, we failed the group in that sense, that we didn't have a plan for that long-term commitment. Yeah, that, that's excellent. And I'll give you a coaching perspective of it because, you know, I was part of the problem. You know, I think that in winning the way we did, I think the organization, I know I lost my humility. You know, I made it about me because I was calling the plays because Jake Plummer was playing well. And I don't think, it, you know, I, I was the only one who had the disease in my sphere of influence. I think others had it. We didn't, we lost some players to free agency, but I think everybody, we didn't know how to win. We didn't know how to stay humble and success and realize that the reason why we got there is because of what we talked about earlier in the day, that every piece of the team, every part of the organization 
is interconnected directly or indirectly to what what we were able to accomplish. And I think we lost sight of that both uh, individually and collectively. Um, and as I look back on my narrative, I really grew from that experience because, you know, I made it about me. And um, I think that happens a lot sometimes when when we win, we get caught up in, you know, how we see our success and we lose sight of all the different pieces of the puzzle. And I hate to call them pieces because these are human beings working their tails off, you know, to try to help you win on multiple levels. So, you know, that was a that was a great learning experience for me. And as a result, you know, I think when you lose your, your humility, you know, you lose a lot of other things along the way. And eventually, I know I lost my job and I think I was part of the problem. Well, Mark, it's hard for me to uh, imagine that you were uh, the main problem, uh, and uh, you know I, um, it, it's it's not unusual that someone like you would step up and offer that. But I, I would say we had many other issues, no doubt. And I, and you brought some of them up. And I'm not saying I was the main problem, but I yeah. I know that as a human being and as a coach for the Arizona Cardinals, that I learned that you know there's so much more to it than the play caller. Or the quarterback, you know, there's a, everything from, you know, the, the person who cleans the locker room uh, to who leaves last uh, during the course of the day. That That's all. Um, well, you, you, know, you mentioned, Mark, if, pardon the interruption, no, go ahead. you mentioned the fact that, you know, this was the first time <clears throat> we had been in the playoffs. I don't right. know in how many years. And so uh, I would say a good n- number of the people who were part of the organization had never experienced being in the playoffs before. So that's right. We didn't know, know how to win. I mean, we didn't know how to handle so winning. When you talk about culture, when you talk about, you know, acting like you've been there, uh, we, we had no former experience with that. Yeah. And uh, so that that just was a hard lesson for all of us. Uh, it took us a while to rebound from that. That's right. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things you live and learn. You hope you hope you're better at it the next time you get an opportunity, if you're fortunate enough to have one. So let's talk about the rebound because you were right. You you came there as assistant to the president. You moved to a vice president of football ops and then to then to GM. Can you talk about that? Uh, that uh, that movement from from one position to the other and how your roles changed uh, and what you learned from them along the way. Well, let me I mean, I, I can't say enough about the Bidwells um, back during that time period, Mark, and especially my relationship with with Bill Bidwell and then later with Michael Bidwell. Uh, it, it was a tremendous uh, experience of trust. Uh, and they uh, stuck with me. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd been there for a total of 16 years. And, uh, you know, we had ups and downs. I mean, you know, you can remember when we joined that organization. Heck, I don't know. You know, there was one time I can remember thinking to myself, I can't even find an Arizona T-shirt, a Cardinal a T-shirt anywhere in town. You know, other than at our facility, you couldn't go to a convenience store, Walmart or anywhere to even buy a a, a T-shirt. Now, again, once you came on board, when we started winning some football games, we 
we could see a few uh, plumber shirts around town and, you know, a few other guys. But, you know, it, it was much later in, in my experience there where, you know, I got off an airplane in Pittsburgh and I saw a Kurt Warner jersey walking through the airport. You know, I mean, it was only then that we reached a, a national mm-hmm. level in terms of appeal. But it took us a while. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm very grateful to the Bidwells for how they uh, stuck with me. You know, again, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about their management style and what was needed to communicate with them. Uh, and, and I learned how to, to, to play a role between uh, 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 the ownership and uh, coaching staff. And, you know, we had gone through a couple of uh, head coaches back during that time. Uh, and, you know, we, we uh, went from Vince to, uh, uh, I, I believe we went from Vince to, uh, it might have been. Um, uh, Dave McGinnis took over. Dave, Dave McGinnis and then Dennis Green. Right. And then. Um, um, Ken. Ken Wisenhunt. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and so I, I was able to, you know, sort of endure through all of those changes and and you know that doesn't happen very often no it says a lot uh, about who you are well you know i I appreciate it but it's also says a lot about ownership and the faith and trust that they that they uh they had in me mark and so you know we 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 saw ourselves eventually worked our way to uh, a super bowl appearance in in 2008 uh, which was a, a great moment. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot had changed about our organization at that time. Uh, you know, we were focused differently. Uh, I, I thought we were surrounded with some outstanding people. Uh, I, my leadership style had had changed uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, and some of it, uh, as I look back on it, I think certainly contributed to the success that we had. Uh, and then there are aspects of it that I think contributed to my demise. Uh, and so, uh, but all in all, it, it, you know, I was very, very fortunate to be surrounded by outstanding people and just watching those individuals work was, was uh, really a great experience. So if we could, Rod, um, can we talk about that a little bit? We talk in our class, we have a whole segment of our class. What do you want your locker room to look like? And that could be your office, where your your business, whatever it is. Um, I we just use the term locker room because it has a football analogy to it. But you know, in in uh, in your case as a GM, you were building a team. You were building a locker room. Um, can you talk about the the things that went into doing that and um, the values you were looking for? Uh, in the building each day. And and you kind of said it, there were reasons why you had success and worked your way to a Super Bowl. And there's there's reasons why, as you put it, led to your to demise. Would you mind sharing a little bit on both both sides of that equation? Sure. You know, <clears throat> I, I, Mark, as you very well know, as you ascend into higher positions of leadership, you really are drawn away from the things that you're most comfortable with. You, 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 you know, in, in your situation, you know, you have been a coordinator. You, you've had your hand on, 
on working, uh, uh, you know, offense and working with quarterbacks. That's your expertise. And you, you've, you've been excellent at it. But as you become a head coach and, and, and are more concerned with expanded areas of the organization, you're pulled away from the day-to-day duties in that area. And so you have to rely on others uh, for that minutia and that detail to make sure that, that it, it, all of the things that are critically important are still being hit on. And so with me, back during that period, I started to focus on what I described as a core philosophy. In other words, I just wanted to focus my attention on maybe four or five individuals, excuse me, four or five individuals, Mark, who basically shared the same beliefs that I share, that I have about leadership, uh, about values, um, and then let those people govern the, the, the areas that need to be covered with, with respect to um, football operations and, and realizing that I can't be present in all of those situations. So it's, it, it's that immediate leadership group, your lieutenants, if you will, mm-hmm. um, your inner circle. that have to be able to share mm-hmm. the same values you have and be able to execute in the manner that you would prefer that they execute. Um, you know, you have to depend on them. And so as I grew and more concerned about the overall operations of of the Cardinals, I was less involved in player personnel, you know? And so that was what got me there. I I was a, when you stripped my, uh, when you tore away my coat and my shirt and all that, at the end of the day, I was a scout, you know? And so, but, but I was doing less work in that area. And so now, I'm in finance meetings, I'm in uh, marketing meetings, I'm I'm doing other things that general managers tend to do, uh, but less involved in player personnel issues. And so uh, I had an outstanding staff, uh, which I was very, very fortunate enough to accumulate, and they were part of my core group. Steve Kine, who is now the general manager there, uh, uh, he was uh, uh, there with the group um, um, trying to think of um, <clears throat> the general manager now at, at Tampa. He was part of our group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and then John Idzik, who eventually became general manager at the Jets, he was part of. So, you know, I had three general managers of guys who, uh, you know, who became general managers in that group. And, um, you know, just an outstanding leadership team. Uh, and I depended a lot on them. But like anything else, the, when, when you're separated from the area that, that you're most comfortable with, uh, it, 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 it tends to, to gnaw at you a little bit 
And when it came down to those, those most critical decisions about personnel, uh, I felt less equipped at that point uh, uh, when making those decisions than I was when I was uh, 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 in the film room, studying the players, ranking the players, um, and, and, and not having to leave it up to someone else. <clears throat> so that's what you would do differently if you went back. You would you would try to get in the weeds a little bit more to be a part of uh, player acquisition and scouting. Yes, I, I, I would think so. And Mark, pardon me and to, to your guest for the coffin. I had a little bit of a scratchy throat there for a moment. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would I would arrange it differently. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm not sure that in that situation, Mark, I could have, uh, to be honest with you, because I have a special relationship with Bill Bidwell and Michael, uh, and they leaned on me heavily for information in many areas. And so, <clears throat> you know, oftentimes, even when I attempted to get out on the road to, to do his scouting, I would end up being on the phone with them the majority of the time, you know, just talking through issues and, and um, you know, maybe wishing that I had been back at the office rather than being on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to echo your feelings about uh, uh, Mr. Bidwell and Michael Bidwell. They always treated me and my family with the utmost respect and courtesy and um, were, were never, you know, digging into my business or digging into you know, what we were doing, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, they were, you know, a supporting element, you know, I was there and I was always grateful for that. Um, as you look back, you know, a little bit, as we just kind of finish up here today, Rod, you know, back to, let's say 1984 and, and the man you were um, and the man you are now, what advice would you give yourself, somebody or somebody like you um, who's a lot younger, just getting started? You know, I'm, I, I would relay <clears throat> the advice that I was given, Mark, by my father. Uh, when I first started, I still think it's relevant today. And that is <clears throat> be less concerned about your next job and your next, <coughs> pardon me, opportunity than being concerned about doing the very best you can. You know, just let let the tides uh, you know take you wherever they 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 may take you um <clears throat> pardon me i still think that there's a place and an admiration for hard work for uh the things that that matter values if you're displaying that in the workplace uh and you you're you're achieving excellence on a daily basis those things tend to to work out for you in the long run. I still believe that. Um, I, I, uh, I think if people come to, to work with that attitude, good things tend to happen. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, you know, let's close today. I wanted to uh, just finish with a, just a couple of quick questions for you. Um, I wanna go back to Fritz Pollard a little bit um, because I know how important it is to you and you and I have spent time on the Fritz Pollard Alliance in the last year. Can you talk about just quickly how you lead daily? Because I'm sure there's some frustrations and challenges that come with this job. And, and how are you doing with that? 
Um, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, you know, in society, you know, the diversity and inclusion issues, social injustice that's going on. Um, how do you work through that, you know, on a daily basis and, 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 you know, get yourself up every day to go at a, you know, a job that, you know, looking at from the outside in, it does not appear to be an easy one. No, it's not an easy job, Mark, but I tell you what keeps me motivated are people like you and others who <clears throat> I've had the privilege of working with, standing on the sidelines with, uh, understanding the sacrifices that coaches make, that executives make. This is a hard job. You know, it's a hard profession. Uh, people say, boy, I'd love to be a part of the NFL in terms of coaching or in terms of of <clears throat> working as a scout or whatever it might be. But there are long hours behind these jobs. And people, you know, and in many cases, it's a thankless job because we don't get the uh, attention and the accolades that the players and sometimes the coaches get but we're expected to perform. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's watching those people, uh, again, like yourself and others who, who uh, give so much to the game, that's what keeps me motivated uh, to get out. And, you know, there are so many people out there who deserve to be part of considerations. You know, it, I mean, there are limited number of jobs. Not everyone's going to be able to, to, to get a job in the NFL as a head coach or, or as a coordinator or quarterback coach or, you know, whatever the position might be, general manager. Uh, but I, I, I think the league can do a much better job in the consideration of individuals who deserve consideration. I think we can expand that list. Uh, and and, and I, I think that the league, it's been proven that we have not done as good a job as we, as we should when it comes to people of color. And so that's part of my uh, motivation is to ensure that we're more fair, that, uh, that, uh, that opportunities are open and that they're competitive. We're not asking for someone to be named to a position just because uh, they're a person of color. Uh, but we're, we're asking that the process be fair, open, and competitive. And whenever you uh, alleviate that scenario, then to me, it, it's an unfair league uh, otherwise. And I, I think that that is something that uh, the, the league should is is better than that. I love the National Football League as you do, Mark. Uh, and you know there are so many good things we can point to about the league. But I think on the issue of hiring, uh, this is one area we've got to work harder to get better at. And I, I and for me, I, I I think that the door is open for us uh, to come to the table and and develop a better system a system that, uh, uh, that is more equitable. And, uh, and, and this is not an issue that's embraced uh, by individuals of color. 
Uh, I've had numerous other people, including yourselves, dump, jump right in with us and help to develop coaches, help to uh, put them in, in, in uh, 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 scenarios where they're better informed, uh, where they're better equipped to, to handle interviews and all of that. Uh, you participated with me along with a number of other coaches. So, yeah, you know, there are good people out there who want this league to perform better and to be at the forefront of the industry. Uh, and I appreciate that. And that's what keeps us going. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think anybody with an open mind, uh, with a clear, clear vision, can see that uh, the NFL will be a better place when it's more inclusive, not just, you know, at the coaching level, but the executive level and ownership level uh, as well. Rod, let's finish with some quick hitters. Okay, just to uh, see another side of you. Um, and I know you're right now you're completing your your master's in, in law and corporate compliance and so forth. Um, I, so I don't want you to answer the question, what are you reading right now that's relatable to the course? But is there anything you're reading around right now that you would share with us? Mark, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Tony Evans, a minister out of Dallas. And, you know, um, I've just started one of his books that um, uh, that was given to me actually by Troy Vincent at the league office. Um, but, you know, I, my heroes as I was growing up were people like Muhammad Ali, um, Nelson Mandela, um, Martin Luther King, uh, people who were highly principled. And, you know, I, I love going back and reading over essays and memoirs of, of uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, I, I, you know, so impressed with his thoughts and his beliefs and, and his, his uh, moral convictions. Um, most recently was, was reading one of his essays, I think it was called The Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Uh, and so it, it's just, you know, it, what's interesting to me about reading uh, information and documents and memoirs from that period is how frightening it is sometimes to know that in some cases attitudes haven't changed as much as we thought they had. And so uh, it's always interesting. Uh, uh, I was uh, listening to a speech given by Barbara Jordan, uh, who spoke at the Democratic National sure. Convention uh, sure. years ago. I can't remember if that was 19, can't remember the year. I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I threw out a year. So I, uh, but anyway, the points of her speech sounded so applicable to today in this environment. Uh, that I was just amazed at how little attitudes have changed in some pockets. Uh, I, I just hope that our kids will experience a much better uh, tomorrow. Uh, and, and even though we've made progress, we've made outstanding progress in so many areas, there are things that we still need to accomplish. And that's part of the work of Fritz Pollock. Yeah, I, I got to follow up with your Martin Luther King autobiography, one of the best books I've read in the last year. And it came after, you know, the George Floyd scenario was was the autobiography of Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, his letter from from a Birmingham jail that starts out in a real sense, all of life is interrelated. I, I recommend highly uh, uh, that book uh, for a number of reasons that you just talked about. The fact that, you know, as much as things have changed, they really uh, haven't changed as much as they should. And I think that book is relevant um, uh, to to what is going on today. And the other thing that, you know, that really struck me about Martin Luther King, I always followed him. Uh, because of his his great, you know, all his great quotations and everything. But he was a lifelong learner. You know, he traveled the world uh, to learn how to lead, you know, following the love of Gandhi and uh, and and how Gandhi, you know, lived with the love of God and the nonviolence of Gandhi. And uh, um, he he had to learn that with parents that, you know, helped educate him. He didn't just he wasn't just a born leader. And uh, like I believe, uh, you know, leaders aren't aren't just born; they're developed, and we all can learn to be a better leader, you know, through our experiences and understanding where we came from. Last thing, Rod, Mark, what do you do when you're say, not? What's uh, what's that? Oh, I was about to say, you know, you remember a line from that book uh, when when uh, Martin Luther King wrote that we're all caught up in an inescapable network of mutuality. That's right. Tied to a single garment of destiny. Destiny, exactly yeah. right. It's my. It, it happens to be one uh, of us directly affects us all indirectly. I, I so, it, yeah, exactly. I use that quote. I think I used it uh, with the alliance, um, but it's you know it's my it's my favorite quote, and I'm glad to hear it's a, a quote of yours. We're all interrelated. Yes, we're all part of a single single garment of destiny, and we're all directly and indirectly responsible for for making it. It's a it's a beautiful way of seeing life. Um, Absolutely. Last thing, what do you do in your free time when you're not caught up in this, uh, you know, unbelievable net of issues that you deal with each and every day at Fritz Power? Well, first of all, my wife would laugh at the notion of free time. I'm, <clears throat> Mark, I'm one of those people that uh, is accused of not getting enough sleep and, uh, and, and certainly uh, being a workaholic. Uh, you know, I even after leaving the NFL, I find myself, uh, you know, working till 2 a.m., uh, back up at, you know, five or, or six. And I, I realize it's not healthy, uh, that sleep is, is important. It, it's, but, you know, there's so much I want to accomplish uh, and, and to help Fritz Pollard and the National Football League get it right. And, um, and so I'm constantly uh, searching for ways to improve uh, our situation and, and to help the league improve as, a, as an overall uh, business. And so, you know, we <clears throat> in the league, Mark, uh, and I know we're cutting this short, we're so focused on what happens on you know, our sidelines as far as our head coach and general manager is concerned. But we've got to push this conversation to beyond the sidelines to uh, what happens uh, uh, on the business side of football. You know, the, 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 um, um, the C-suites, the VP positions, uh, you know, there has to be diversity of leadership across the board. And we've got to push it to the other subsidiaries of the National Football League. And that means NFL media, <clears throat> NFL properties, 
uh, all of the other giants that make up the National Football League that we tend to exclude from this conversation. Uh, we've got to do a much better job of creating a different corporate portrait. And so um, we're working on that. But uh, when you talk about free time, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't seem to have as much. I'd love to be able to go out and swing the golf club every now and then, but I don't seem to have as many days uh, available to me like I would like. Well, Rod, um, you know, thank you for putting a, a, a really a passionate exclamation point on our discussion today. And um, I know there's a lot of people out there who will jump in and try to help along the way, but we we thank you for being you know, the tip of the spear and trying to get this done. There's there's no better man to, to do this job. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Mark. You, you are part of what makes this league special and it's the people. And I, I just appreciate your contribution. My hat's off to you. <clears throat> and uh, I look forward to working with you on this and other projects in the future. Thanks again, Rod. Thank you. We appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks go out to our executive producer, Greg Levy, Associate Dean and Director of the Entertainment, Arts, and Sports Law Program at the University of Miami School of Law. Want to also thank our engineer and editor, Christopher Elzadi, our theme music from Calyptra, and special acknowledgement to our research assistant, Nick Rossi, a fellow attorney and student who's done a great job in our preparation.